Well, happy Sunday to you. Welcome into another edition of Sports Wrap here on WJR. Chris Renwick, good to have you with us this Sunday evening. Uh, you know, after the doubleheader yesterday, after Miggy gets his 3,000th and then subsequently his 3,001 hit, I, I was thinking about, okay, Miggy's 39 years old. There has obviously been a drop-off in production over the the last handful of years not only his power numbers have gone down his on base percentage has gone down he's just become less effective as as a hitter at the plate which is look this is father time this is this is what happens in major league baseball especially to power hitters that have had incredibly long careers in in being able to to not only hit the ball hard, hit the ball out of the ballpark, but but work every section of that strike zone. They can reach far outside the plate. They can bring the bat in tight for pitches inside. They can go up high, down low, doesn't matter where you throw it, they're going to be able to hit it, hit it hard, and more often than not, hit it out of the park. So it's nothing against Miguel Cabrera. It's father time. It's what happens in this game. And there are very few people that have been able to to avoid that. Eventually, it catches up to everybody. But I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Miguel Cabrera, 39 years old, just just got the 3,000 home runs, right? Like, and and Miguel Cabrera's time with the Tigers uh, or, or time playing baseball is probably running out. And with all of that being said, I'm sitting there last night thinking. I wonder who's next because 3000 hits is an incredible feat, an incredible feat, but there's gotta be somebody coming, right? There's gotta be somebody that is at least nipping on the heel. Somebody that, that if you do the math could have a chance here. And here's the answer. Is there isn't logically there isn't really anybody that could record three thousand hits in the near future? Certainly, in the next couple of years. So Miguel Cabrera becomes the thirty third player in 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 Major League Baseball history to record three thousand hits. He's the seventh player all time to have three thousand hits and over five hundred home runs. Elite elite, elite class. But in terms of like who's next, it it may not happen for, for, I don't even know how long. So you've got Cabrera now. And the closest second to Miguel Cabrera as we stand today is Robinson Cano, the second baseman for the Mets. He's less than 400 hits away. He's got 2,631 hits as we stand right now. Eight-time All-Star. Had just a a heck of a career in terms of um, those several years with the Yankees, then went to Seattle. Um, I, I believe his home run... Uh, the highest amount of home runs he hit in one year was 39. That was back in 2016. Um, 
he missed the entire 2021 season because he got popped for PEDs. So if that hadn't happened, if Robinson Cano were, 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 were playing last year, well, you might be in a different scenario. You might be in a different situation. In 2020, Robinson Cano had 54 hits. Compare that to 2016, where he had 39 bombs, 195 hits. 2017, 166 hit, six hits. 18, 94 hits. 19, 100 hits. 2020, 54 hits. 2021, goose egg, because he got popped for PEDs, and he's got seven hits this year. So even for somebody like Robinson Cano, who had, I mean, you're averaging, you know, about 170 hits per season from 05 to about 2000 and we'll call it 17. But then father time catches up and those numbers start to drop. Those bombs that you were hitting, uh, 39 home runs, those start to dwindle to 23 jacks, 10 jacks, 13 bombs, 10 bombs, Zippo in 2021. Father time. So who's next? Doesn't seem like Cano's going to do it. 39 years old, Robinson Cano, 39 years old, under contract through 2023, and then there's no then there's no telling what's going to happen. Miguel Cabrera just got it at 39 years old. Robinson Cano is just shy of 400 away. All right, well, then who's after Robinson Cano? Yadier Molina and Joey Votto. Molina, the catcher for the Cardinals, 19-year career, nine-time gold glover, wonderful baseball player, 2,116 hits. He won't get to 3,000. 39 years old, currently. All right, Joey Votto reached the 2,000-hit milestone last August. He's got 2,035 hits. He's 39 years old. Nelson Cruz, the DH with the Washington Nationals. He hasn't even hit 2,000 home run or 2,000 hits yet. 1924. He's 41. How about, how is Nelson Cruz still playing baseball? Just against, he's just against the Tigers. He's got 8,000 hits. Of the nine active players with at least 1,500 hits, the best 300 candidates are probably Jose Altuve with the Astros and Freddie Freeman with the with the Angels. Both are roughly approaching 1,800 hits. They're 32 years old. I mean, look, I only bring this up, really. I bring this up because of how amazing this really is. How incredible of a feat that this actually is. For somebody like Miguel Cabrera, who, again, the, 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 the numbers have fallen off. They just have. It's father time. It, you cannot escape it. In 2016, Miguel Cabrera had 38 bombs. These are from 17 to this year. 16, 3, 12, 
10, 5, zip. In terms of hits, Miguel Cabrera, from that drop-off in 2016 when he had 38 bombs, 188 hits, 17 to now, 117, 40, 139, 51, 121, 15. Even for somebody like Miguel Cabrera, whose numbers were alien-like, it happens, father time. And it just goes to show you, those, I mean, look, when he was in Florida, in the five years he was in Florida, his lowest hit total was his rookie year where he had 84 hits, 12 home runs. And then those numbers went up precipitously. 33 jacks, 33 jacks, 26 home runs, 34 home runs. And then when he got to Detroit, things got wacky. Things, those numbers shot up even further. But again, the hits when he was in Florida, 177, 198, 195, 188. Miguel Cabrera put in all that work early on. I say this because not only for, for, for us to be able to see this in Detroit, to see the longevity of Miguel Cabrera, and to revel in it. Because, guys, look, you may, may very well not see this again, at least not in the short term, at least not in the next 10 years. It's amazing what Miguel Cabrera has done. And it could be a very, very long time until we see something like this in Major League Baseball again. More to come on Sports Wrap as we continue NFL Draft Talk next. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. We are just uh, days away, days away from the NFL draft. And and look, I think this is a very interesting draft because I think there's a lot of talent here. I think it's a deep draft. But when you don't have, like, clear-cut quarterbacks or the stud signal caller, um, it, it, it does just give the draft a bit of a strange vibe. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Good draft, lots of talent maybe even some untapped potential talent. Um, but when you don't have any great signal callers or you don't have any bona fide offensive tackles that, that are going to go in the top five, you know, somebody like Evan Neal has, has slid a little bit. Um, it just feels strange. It, it feels strange. Um, Scott Bischoff with football guys uh, is, is always uh, well, well in the know uh, as in terms of the NFL draft. He joins us this evening to talk about it. What's up, Scotty? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. Look, I, 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 this is it to me, it's a, it's a strange draft, but there's a lot of intrigue in the top five and, and there's been a lot of rumblings on, on perhaps some teams that would be making moves up if the lions could potentially be involved in those, but, but let's start with the, the first overall pick Jacksonville lands, the first overall pick again for the second year in a row. Um, Trevor Lawrence, young quarterback, they need some help on the offensive line. Uh, Evan Neal was, was pegged to them early on. He's slid a little bit down, uh, outside the top five, um, in, in a number of mock drafts I've seen, but where do you have, like, what are, what are, where is Jacksonville at here here? Because it seems like Aiden Hutchinson's getting a lot of, uh, pub at number one overall. Now, where where is where are your thought process at with with, with Jacksonville? So 
So uh, it's an interesting scenario with Jacksonville. You, you kind of laid it out perfectly. Trevor Lawrence, young quarterback, you need to protect him. Uh, they really need him to work. And you're yeah. in a situation with him where you have um, a you have a, a couple of tackles who are on the last year of their contract. Juwan Taylor is their starting right tackle, and he's in year four, entering year four of his rookie deal. He was a second round pick, so it's it's the last year of his. You know, he's in the final year of his contract. They extended Cam Robinson, their starting left tackle. Uh, he started for them at left tackle for the last five years. Last year, he played on the franchise tender, the one-year uh, franchise offer, and then this year they extended him one more time for another year. And uh, there's some fishy sort of circumstances around that uh, offer to him. He didn't sign that that contract offer for, I want to say, over five weeks. And it almost seemed like he was doing the team a favor in try in 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 possibly trying to move him because those contracts are guaranteed for injury and if you're a player uh you know you're not you're not walking away from that deal knowing it's only a one year deal and giving a team many weeks you know what i'm saying so so mm-hmm. there was it just seems uh suspicious what happened there um and and the idea that they're really only tied to each of those each of the left tackle and the right tackle for it's the final year and you know, you're picking first overall. I just find it hard to believe, having said all that stuff, I find it hard to believe that they would pass on a tackle uh, in this class because, you know, if you're drafting Trayvon Walker first overall, that's a, it's a, I mean, it's a, that brings as much risk as, mm-hmm. as taking, uh, you know, a quarterback first overall, just because you're drafting him on, on based on what his upside will be and not at all what he is as a player right now. And then when you look at, you know, pass rushers in totality in this class, Aiden Hutchinson is a fine player. But he's not, you know, he's not uh, a player at the ceiling of what we've seen, you know, at first overall over, over the last several years. Mm-hmm. So it just seems to me when you when you add up the uh, circumstances behind what Jacksonville has on its roster, and and kind of the hole on its roster behind those two tackles, all they really have is a, a, a player named Walker Little, who they drafted in the second round out of Stanford last year. So he's a young player too. So it just seems like, you know, passing on tackle would be. Um, kind of failing the quarterback in some ways. I mean, you, you don't have any depth. You don't have uh, a lot of talent. You do have the ability to add. Uh, you know, I know we think that Evan Neal might be sliding a little bit, but if it were me, I, I'd kind of be looking at him as as a player to be to be uh, you know in the consideration to be going first sure. overall. Charles Cross from from Ole Miss yep. might be a more left tackle only mm-hmm. prospect. He, I think he's a higher maybe a better pass, uh, pass protector um, than sure. other tackles in this class. But, but you know, like Evan Neal and Ike McQuanu do offer some other things in the running game and maybe a little more uh, versatility to potentially play on the right side or inside as they needed mm-hmm. to. But I think the, the nuts and bolts of it is that I, I would – nothing is guaranteed, but I just think that it's, it's much more likely that the Jaguars go tackle. And the talk around pass rusher has been – an attempt to try to get somebody to trade up to one because by all accounts and talking to sources and people, you know, kind, you know, close to the team, they don't want to be, they don't want to be picking one. And if they did today, it would be tackle. That's kind of where it is. Yeah. Um, it, when the lions uh, take over at number two, again, they're going to, they're going to have a, 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 I mean, look, they're going to have the, 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 the choice of, 
of really any position group that they want. There's been a lot of talk around the, the Georgia defensive linemen, including Jordan Davis um, and and uh, um, Trayvon Walker. And in terms of Walker and Davis, the production doesn't seem to be there. But that Georgia defense was solid. They were very good. They played complementary football, and they were good at all levels. If we operate under the assumption that Jacksonville goes offensive linemen, how do you think Detroit looks at number two? And and who do you feel would be the guy at number two? So, I mean, if we're operating under uh... – the, you know the idea that every defensive player is available to them. I mm-hmm. think it it comes down to, uh, you know, obviously all the names everybody knows. It's 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 Aiden Hutchinson, it's Trayvon Kayvon Walker, Thibodeau. and and yeah, and, and absolutely Trayvon Thibodeau's in the mix there. Um, and then it's uh it's a matter of how risky are the willing are the Lions willing to uh, you know to go on how how much risk are they willing to take on to make this pick? Uh, you know, Trayvon Walker is. You know, he's he's much more athlete and much more kind of underwear Olympics performer than he was finished football player mm-hmm. where he has a long way to go, uh, you know, as just as a player. Now, you know, there's a little planet theory involved there that there's only so many people on the planet as big as he is, who, you know, with arms as long as they, as they are, who can run the way he runs. And, and some of that stuff does splash. It does. Um, you mentioned Jordan Davis. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that he's even remotely in the consideration for where the, for what the Lions need. Um, you know, but you know, Trayvon Walker. Back to him a little bit. Just it's total upside, and it is a an absolute uh, you know roll of the dice. And I just I'm not sure that if I think if the Lions are, are rolling the dice um, in the scenario at two, it's probably more rolling the dice on Kayvon Thibodeau and what is as a pass rusher already mm-hmm. much more polished much more nuanced uh not it doesn't mean that he doesn't have he doesn't have you know things to work on there isn't room to grow because he does need to improve in many facets of, of his game um you know but but he's he's already you know i think he's a player you could put on the field right now and he could be effective for you where with Trayvon walker it's more just it's bully football and there's not a lot of nuance there's not a lot of, of, of subtlety to the way he plays and those are the those are the risks, and then there's you know the safe sort of um, high floor, low ceiling player, which is what you know we all consider Aiden Hutchinson to be a guy who's maybe on the Chris Long spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy who's going to give you everything he's got as a run defender. He's going to give you he's going to give you some pass rush, but it's not going to be like over the top, you know, Pro Bowl level type player. But obviously, a perfect culture fit and all those things. So you can understand, you know, the lure to bring a player like Hutchinson sure. in for sure. And then the wild card there is quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty. And and if the Lions really want to take a swing at the uh, – I know that's probably not where we want to go with this, but if the Lions want to take a swing at the fences, it's, it's, that's a player to consider just because, you know, if you think about these players from a baseball war standpoint, you know, the wins above replacement model, Mm -hmm. there's nobody, I mean, quarterback is the most impactful position in all of sports. And it's, it's tough to see teams winning anymore in the NFL without, you know, elite quarterback play and players who can do things in a variety of ways. And I, you know, I don't think Willis is near as raw as people, as people think he is coming out of Liberty. And, you know, so, so, 
know. Well, Scott, let me tell you this. I I do want to I do want to go there with you. Can you hang tight with me? I got to take a quick break, but hang tight with me. I want to talk quarterbacks because we got a lot of quarterbacks on the board to talk about. And and if there's a realistic option that the Lions could take any of them at number two, or do they try to move up earlier on in the in the first round? maybe snag somebody then Scott Bischoff with football guys joins us. We'll talk more NFL draft on the other side of the break. Sports rep continues here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. <clears throat> all right. Welcome back. Uh, talking with Scott Bischoff over at football guys, all things NFL draft. And, and you, you, you started to mention, uh, Malik Willis and and where he fits in and whether or not he's the guy out of Liberty because a lot of people thought uh, uh, maybe somebody like Kenny Pickett was going to be the first quarterback off the board or Desmond Ritter but I think Malik Willis did a lot of good things for him at the for himself at the combine I think his stock really uh, really ascended uh, at that point and 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 now with guys like Matt Corral out there, Kenny Pickett still on the board. Malik Willis has been the hottest name. Uh, oh, and of course, Des- Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. But but Willis's name has been really the name. If if you're if the, any of these teams are going to go quarterback at the top of the draft, Willis has been the guy. It seems like that these teams are going after. And and look, if we, we could talk about the lions and, and perhaps their mentality or their thought on Willis, because look, they still need a quarterback. They're going to need a quarterback, whether or not this is the year to address that need really is the question. So with all of these guys on the table and, and by all accounts, unless somebody hops them at one and takes a quarterback, they'll have their, their, their choice, uh, of of all the quarterbacks to choose from. How do you think the Lions view the quarterback position? How do you think the Lions view uh, what I think are the big three between Matt Corral, uh, uh, Malik Willis, uh, or Desmond Ritter? How do you think they view those guys and the need for that position at number two? Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know uh, truthfully how they, how they view them. Um, I think we can read through the tea leaves a little bit, and and you, when you talk, when you hear Brad Holmes talk about wanting, uh, you know, game changing players, uh, franchise changing type players. To me, there's one quarterback in this class that does that, and that's and that is. And I, I mean, I know it's a risk, right? Like he's got a, he has to progress as a player. He has to, he has to develop and meet uh, what his upside can be, and if he does. Uh, I mean, it's Malik Willis, and if and if he can get anywhere near where what his upside is as a player, then he is he is the only guy in the class. Or is, I should put it this way: he, he's um, if he can get to a ceiling, he 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 turns around the fortunes of the franchise much faster than any other player in the class, regardless of of what they what they're doing. I mean, you can draft you draft Kayvon Thibodeau at two overall, and if he if he turns in 12 sacks a year for you for the next seven or eight years. It doesn't really mean that, you know, it's not taking your franchise from five wins to 11 or 12 and winning games in the playoffs. It's just not, he's not doing that by himself, mm-hmm. but Malik Willis can his, his skill set and the things that he does well, which, which is, you know, uh, vertically challenging defenses and the ability to move and make plays with his legs. When you, when you put those two things together, uh, he he alone 
can flip the fortunes of the franchise faster than anybody in the class. So that's kind of that's kind of you know the short nuts and bolts of why you would reach for him. Um, the Lions, interestingly, are one of the very few franchises in the NFL that are set up to take on a player like Malik Willis and let him sit for and develop for a year. They're one of the few teams that can do it. Jared Goff is, is a viable, you know, mid-level starting quarterback. Um, I think I think it's reasonable to think that he's not ever going to take you over the top. Um, you know, I mean, things would have to be so perfect around him, and I think it's impossible to do that. Uh, you know, so so the Lions are a stable franchise with Jared Goff starting for a year. Malik Willis has time to sit for a year. They have a really good offensive line, uh, an offensive line that's only going to get better going forward. They're going to have a strong running game. They're going to have the, the structure to put around Malik Willis to to let him grow into his game. And, and you know, um, if he gets anywhere near what his ceiling is as a player, this is a it's a very different franchise and, and a team that should be competing quickly. Well, look, it's a really interesting perspective. And let me give you my take because I feel like the Lions, I, and I put a lot of stock into draft capital. For me, Having the, the the lottery tickets, as many as you can acquire, I think will help this franchise going forward. I think Brad Holmes has showed you that he can identify talents, certainly even in later rounds, um, and he can he can make the correct picks in the correct spot. I mean, you, you look at somebody uh, like Amon Ross St. Brown, perfect example. But yeah. with all of that being said, for me, draft capital is very, very important with a guy that I think can identify talent. But if there's an opportunity where you feel like maybe you want to gamble, maybe you feel like you can push the envelope a little bit, maybe make a little bit of an unsafe pick at that, at that number two spot, you still got number 32. You're going to have two first round next year. So, I mean, it does kind of set up for this team to maintain a high level of, of, of draft capital while maybe reaching for, for kind of an explosive game changer. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's the perfect point. A lot of people just kind of assume if you take a quarterback while well, the, the draft is over, it's like, oh, you, have, you have pick 32, you have pick 34, you have pick 66, pick 97, two first rounders next year. You're going to have a, what I, what I think will be, you know, a top 45 pick next year in round two. So, you know, three top 45 picks next year to build around them. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to like about the, the draft capital they do have. And ultimately, the ability to bring in a franchise quarterback without having to give up anything other than what they have, which is pick two. Like a lot of most teams have to trade up, you know, earlier, you know, from where they are back at, at the back end of round one and give up multiple first-round picks into the future to find a quarterback. And the Lions are in the fortunate position that if they if they do really like Willis, and I would and I would tell you that the Senior Bowl plays a big component of this because sure. the Lions coached the Senior Bowl and he was on their roster. You know, I mean, they got a week with him, um, and you know, he, he you know off the field with him is is great. So, you know, I just think that um, he's there at two for them. They don't have to give up anything. Of a gift that if you are getting him at two without having to you know, sacrifice anything in the future, and that's kind of that's kind of what the lure is with it. 
Who do you think makes moves in this draft? It, 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 very rarely do we find a draft where everybody holds pat. Things are going to happen. You've got teams like Seattle uh, that certainly need a quarterback. New Orleans needs a quarterback. Uh, heck, how about the Texans? They need a quarterback. Do you see a scenario in which anybody would would be moving into the top five? I mean, certainly Detroit in play there as well, but do you feel like like who's going to be the team that 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 makes the biggest move? Obviously, somebody like New Orleans in that trade with Philadelphia acquiring all the picks that they did certainly puts them in a position to to maneuver. But but who who do you think makes the most moves in this draft? Well, I mean, New Orleans made a trade. It feels like it's you know part one of a, of another part that's coming. So I'm you know a good call there. I think that. You know, it's this is going to be an interesting draft because there are there are many teams that have multiple first round picks. The Lions have two, the Jets have two in the top ten, the Giants have two in the top ten. Uh, you mentioned Houston. I'm not sure that they. I think Davis Mills is a player they're going to give another year to, but they have picks three and thirteen. The Packers have multiple first round picks. The Chiefs do. So I think you know that's a tough question because I don't know. If, you know, I don't know. Who is going to be a team that, you know, would, would make that jump? Maybe Pittsburgh could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that they they like Malik Willis and made it pretty obvious during the Senior Bowl that they did. Uh, also at the Combine, the way Mike Tomlin was looking at him is, you know, it's intriguing. I could see Pittsburgh making a move. They need they need help long term at the position. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of teams that need help there, and, and so I mean, I would think, you know, you circle New Orleans, you could maybe circle Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not sure that I think Seattle always likes to trade back in the first round, so I, I, you know it'd be an interesting thing to see them come forward uh, potentially. But you know um, that's the beauty of the draft; we don't totally know these things. Uh, Scott Bischoff, always good to talk with you. Thank you for your time and insight. Looking forward to the draft once again this year. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Yep, there he is, Scott Bischoff over at Football Guys. More to come on Sports Wrap as we continue. we got Spin on Golf coming your way at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to the fellas uh, over there coming up next here on Sports Wrap. Don't go anywhere. All right, a little bit of breaking news to pass along to you this evening. Uh, If you're a Michigan basketball fan, rejoice. Hunter Dickinson coming back for his third year in Ann Arbor. Um. Look, that that's really big. I, I think when you consider uh, the 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 kind of the I guess unknowns of of Houston and Diabate and whether or not they'll be back, um, you know, your two five stars from last year. I think Hunter Dickinson coming back probably sways them to stay in Ann Arbor, which would look that would make them prohibitive favorites in the Big Ten going forward. But we'll see. We'll see what their decisions are. Uh, one thing is for certain, Hunter Dickinson is coming back. I, I, Sean, uh, Sean Belegian, I don't know if Hunter Dickinson makes this decision if those two guys don't come back. I, I it, it, To me, it feels almost like a package deal. You would think so, Chris. And I, I, I think to piggyback on what you were just saying, it has the feel of being special this year. I mean, look, both Michigan and Michigan State should have really solid teams. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a few months when some of the preseason progno- prognostication comes out, I won't be surprised at all to see them one and two. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, in the meantime, we got spin on golf coming your way, uh, 705 here on, on WJR. Sean Belegian, uh, BC. Yes, sir. Look at that guy. <laughs> hey, man. Yes, sir. How you yes. doing? I'm great. What's it, going on? Great. I, nothing. This is you. Uh, you like... you've, you've been like a jet setter. You've been all over the place following our guy, James Pyatt, all around. And uh, are you are you are you settling back into your life here in Southeast Michigan again? Is it is it? I'm, is it... I'm, I'm thinking I'm home for about two and a half, three weeks. <laughs> I knew this yeah. was coming. I guess two and a half, three days until he gets forty. Yeah, no, maybe two and a half and three hours. I'm right, this guy's out. out of here for two guys days. Out, brutal. Yeah, you know, but yeah, things are good. Good to be back in Michigan and uh, back at Fox Hills again. Fox Hills, uh, and then uh, now you're doing the show at DGC uh, yeah. for Spin on Golf. Yeah, uh, really excited to, for you guys to be back at DGC. One of my favorite courses in our area. Uh, it's a cool place. A lot of history. A lot, a mm-hmm. lot of deep history. Eighteen ninety nine uh, golf course. Uh, Donald Ross. Um, just a cool old building. We're in here the, in the boardroom at the Albert Cotton Building. Uh, how about uh, Xander Schauffele and 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 Cantley this week? They played uh, some pretty good golf today. Wasn't fair. That's not fair. You can't have I, those two guys together. It's just not I, fair. You know what? I thought the same thing. I, I was I was wondering, and I was going to ask you, how do they pair these guys up? Because to have Cantley and Schauffele together seems it does seem unfair. They picked their own, and uh, oh, they picked you know, their own. yeah, they picked their own. I think there was five sponsors exemptions. So there's some guys in there that you wouldn't have thought got in there, but uh, that ended up playing pretty good. Brem playing pretty good uh, mm-hmm. with his teammate. And then uh, Brian Stewart, I think they finished 22nd. But, yeah, Hovland and uh, who was that? Maura Coward didn't really mm-hmm. play that well, which I thought they'd be one of the runaways too. But, yeah, you could pretty much stack your team if you want. And, you know, Scheffler didn't play very well. But uh, probably the hottest player in the PGA Tour, Patrick Cantley, did. You like this event? Um, this strikes me yeah. as this. This strikes me as something that would be on your list of things that you could do without. Yeah, yeah, nah, I could do without it. I mean, there's enough. There's a Presidents Cup. There's a Ryder Cup. Enough of that team stuff. Come on, let's get on with this. Yeah, you game. want you want cutthroat golf action. That's what absolutely. You're yeah, 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 absolutely. That's why. That's How'd why you know? I love you, BC. Yeah, you I, know? I know, yeah. I know, I know a little something. Uh, what do you guys got coming up tonight? Lots of stuff coming up. First of all, we're going to be out, uh, you know, here at the DGC. So we're going to talk about some of the things going on out here. I know BC has something special to say about his friend. And so certainly we're going to have a moment to do that. It's going to be great to have our buddy. Is this an actual BC friend or is this this facetious friend? Let's just say a mutual friend of all of ours. Yeah, it it might be BC's (laughs) only friend, as a matter of fact. Fair enough. Okay. um, No, all jokes aside, Mike Faye is going to be back with us. So it's going to be great chatting with Mike again and. Uh, you know, Mike really does a great job of, of keeping his ear to the ground in regards to what's going on with the LPGA. So tons of stuff going on. You know, Chris, I mean, tis the season. It's I think this weekend got everybody uh, the juices flowing, so to speak. And then it'll be 42 in two days. Oh. And we're we're going to all fly to Florida. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm I got in. room. Yeah. I'm in. Let's go. I got three. It, beds. Wh- where is Jordan? Is Jordan? Are we? Are we playing? Where in the world is Jordan Young? Yeah. <laughs> has seventy-five. That, has that started yet? Traffic trying to take left turns in Michigan. Okay, that's what he's okay. going to do right now. All yeah. right. I know. So lots of confusion. Yep. That's good. He'll be here. Um. Uh. We got the NFL draft coming up. Uh. BC. Who's your Who's your uh, sleeper pick for number two? 
with, well, with, with let, the lines. Let's put it this way. I have no clue. I, I zero clue. It's I, I didn't even know until now that the draft was this week. Good. I mean, I got Eric Dorsch over there going, me too. I'm like, hey, good. I'm the uh, second guy in the world that doesn't know this is going on. I mean, I'm a Lions fan in September, and then I'm not a Lions right. fan in October. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a love-hate deal, but, yeah, you know, it's golf season. And, you know, what in the NFL, when it, when it comes, All right. it comes. You know? Here's a new segment idea. Jason, are you listening? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring BC on, and we're going to talk about sports he knows nothing about. And we're going to get his take on it. I think it'd be great. Like BC doing highlight highlights, like is what I'm here for. Wait like, a minute. Let's wait, do wait, wait, no, wait a minute. I watched highlight for five years in college. I know it like the back what? of my hand. Wait I love highlight. I went to school in Miami. Okay. I'm the Miami highlight frontown over near, near the, near the, I won't say what I was going to say near derail. He never surprises. Does he? Yep. And uh, what? it was one of my favorite and still is my favorite sport of all time. Shut up, BC. I Swear to God, I like the Robote, the, you know, all the, the caroms and everything. This. Absolutely. Yes. What? what oh, I'm done for the night. Yeah. Dort, you ready to come host the show? I'm done. Holy he just blew my mind. What? What? I want wow. to Miami. It's part of their, it's part of their heritage, South American game, you know, and there was one up in Connecticut and there was like five frontons in Miami and the one independent was Dania. And uh, yeah, I was a, I was a regular five day a week uh, highlight guy. Oh, Loved well it. then we, we're going to get this sponsored. We're going to get, we're going to get this seg. Oh God, it's going to be wonderful. That's great. Highlight rap does have a good ring. To it, <laughs> Marcel start selling. Yes. Let's get it in Michigan. Uh, very good. Yep. Um, in the meantime, uh, what did you guys make about Maggie Shawnee? I think you were there, right? Maybe yeah. his, his, his 3000 and, and 3001 hit. Um, what a, what a time to be at the ballpark. eh? Yeah. Special moment. It really was. It was funny. We were talking, it wasn't as loud as I think people are saying that's the loudest I ever heard in America park. You know what? It was loud, but I, I, to me, it, it didn't compare to Maglio. It didn't compare sure. to eliminate the Yankees or anything. I mean, just a magical day at the park. You know, it really is for a team that uh, let's face it. Chris hasn't had a lot of magical moments and, you know, you hope the winning starts soon, but, uh, Boy, that was that was something special. Something we'll all remember yesterday. And I, I did it to start the show. It, it it's going to be a long time before you see an, somebody else in Major League Baseball hit for three thousand hits. I don't think you're going to see it. We we broke it down player by player. Who who's who's got the best shot? And it ain't anybody soon. Yeah. So relish that moment because what that guy has done over his career is is remarkable uh spin on golf coming your way from dgc next here on wjr don't go anywhere not going to want to miss it have yourself a wonderful week catch you next saturday